is Combat Talk, presented by Hot Take Sports. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Combat Talk brought to you by Hot Take Sports. I'm your host, Clayton Scalina, and we have a very special guest for today's episode. Current LFA flyweight fighter, Chelsea Tiny Tank Connor. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, shout out to Drake Jimenez of Holy Hill Media for setting this up. Now, Chelsea, you fought exactly one month ago today, August 26th, on Renegade Rumble 6. But what have you been up to since then? Healing up my elbow. <laughs> we've been we've been doing a little bit of boxing um, and training as much as I can. But uh, my elbow was banged up before I took and got before I did that fight. Um, so we're just trying to heal that up and make sure everything's good there. What kinds of things have you been doing to do that? Like physical therapy, just taking it easy? Um, taking it easy. I use the TENS unit quite a bit on it. Um, and then I have a sleeve and obviously ice and, and heat just trying to keep, keep the blood flow. I'm pretty sure it's a ligament issue. So, um, yeah, just trying to get that healed up as quickly and as safely as possible. Of course, of course. Well, without any further ado, let's just dive right into this list of questions I got here. So the first one would be is, where are you from and how did you even get involved with combat sports? Um, I am from the uh, St. Paris, Ohio is where I grew up at. Um, I My uncle was did karate while I was a kid and I just kind of was gravitating towards the things he was doing. Um, so I started wanting to train when I was young, my parents wouldn't put me in anything. So when I became an adult, I started training and it kind of, as soon as I got into that, that atmosphere of a gym, it was love for me. So I asked this question to Connor Smith yesterday when we were doing <laughs> the interview for the upcoming card this weekend, but talk about your first practice. Do you remember your first practice at all? Um, yeah, it was. So I had trained at a um, a gym back in the day that back in 2009, things were not what they are today. <laughs> so it was a very, uh, you just kind of went in and it was literally kind of like fighting at practice. It wasn't much like skill or anything like that. So the first practice that I had, I fell in love with it. It was, it was exactly everything that I envisioned it being and more. <laughs> so you were sparring in your first practice? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I, is... I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I believe we had like the little MMA gloves on too. Like it was not, not what we do in today's day and age. <laughs> Definitely not. No, I don't think. I don't think I've ever heard of anybody <laughs> saying they sparred day one. That is crazy. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how do you think that kind of shaped, do you think that had like an impact on the rest of your career? Like thinking, man, this is something I love. This is something that I want to keep doing. Yeah, it definitely did in the aspect of, you know, getting in there It, it just in practice, getting hit with the small gloves and things like that, there wasn't that like fear of getting in the cage. I had already experienced it and everything in practice. 
Um, so I'm sure it did help with that. Uh, when it comes to like learning and things like that, it wasn't helpful and conducive to that. But uh, as far as like, yeah, the, I guess you could say toughness factor, it, it did help with that. For sure. So looking forward then taking, you had an eight fight amateur career. Talk about it a little bit. What are some things that you learned and took with you on the way? Um, so I would say my first two fights, uh, what I took from those was I was definitely not ready to be in there and it, thankfully it went well for me. Um, but now like looking back on it, I should have trained a lot more and known a lot more before I got in there and actually competed. Um, and then, uh, after my first two fights, I had had a child, so I took some time off. Um, and when I came back, I was just not in a real good place. Um, I was dealing with some stuff personally and I just wanted to get back in the cage. And so I didn't get in trouble beating someone up outside of the cage. <laughs> so, uh, I, I took another fight, um, and it was not, I ended up going up a weight class to fight um because I just I didn't care who I was fighting uh I got my nose broke in that fight lost, that was the one fight that I lost um as an amateur and it was a split decision loss it was honestly before I really knew how to even fight um then shortly after that that was when I started like right after that fight I got with a really good wrestling coach um and he helped me like kind of build Build from the ground up with my wrestling. Um, and I started spending a lot of time in the wrestling room. Uh, and that would have been back in, that was 2014, I believe. Um, and then after that, I believe Jade, Jade was my fight uh, after my nose surgery, um, which was a, a really cool opportunity for me at that time. Um, again, I wasn't, I still was learning so much. There wasn't a whole lot that, um, I knew technically, um, when I fought Jade, uh, and I had just tore my, actually a month before that fight, I tore my hamstring. So that was fun going into that fight. But after kind of after I got my nose broke, uh, and the fight that I lost that kind of changed my mindset as an amateur. And I realized then I remember after that fight, I went to practice then like not the next day, but because I fought on Saturday. So Monday, um, I went and I told my coach, I said, if I ever fight like that again, like I never want to do this ever again, like I'm done. And he said, well, get your bag and get out of my gym. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was <laughs> expecting a different reaction. He was like, no. Like, I'm not going to give you my time and energy. And, um, which it hit home. And I was like, wow, you're right. You know, that is a, a crappy way to look at it. So that, as much as it sucked losing, like, it really did help just get my mental the way that it needed to be. Um, and then after that, after I fought Jade, it became very tough to find fights. Um, she was kind of like the person that they were bigging up here in Ohio at the time. And then when you beat the person that's supposed to be the, <laughs> the best, um, it kind of makes it tough to find new fights. <laughs> so I think, uh, diamond fought me. That was the last, uh, person that would fight me here in Ohio. And then I had to 
go out of state to fight. Um, so I went up to Michigan, fought a few girls up there. That was pretty cool. Um, and then after that, um, I had my second to last amateur fight. I tore my bicep and labrum and uh, had to have a surgery. So I got that all taken care of and then did one more fight as an amateur. And after that, that's when I turned professional. You talked about tearing your hamstring and still taking taking a fight. How did that – I'm just trying to picture this in my mind now. How much did that hamper your mobility going into that one? Um, I was really looking forward to that fight. <laughs> I had really been wanting that fight for when I started training, honestly. So um, it was something kind of like – that didn't even when I got it offered, I was like, I don't care what's going on. It's just going to be what it's going to be. And I, I don't know. I don't, it, it affected me a little bit, but I had a month to kind of rest on it. Let it, let it heal. So it was okay. Going into the fight, not a hundred percent, but it was okay. <laughs> and no one's ever 100% going into a fight, right? Yeah, <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Another big thing that you touched on was kind of the learning curve. What are some things that you struggled with when you were kind of starting off in your MMA career? The ground. I was horrible at it. Um, hated every second of going to wrestling practice. Like I dreaded having to go to wrestling. Um, I'm glad now looking back uh, that I did it. Um, but the ground game was so like, it blew my mind once I, once I fell in love with it and I, took to it but it did take me a while to get there because I was like no I'll just stand up and I'll hit you really hard and I knew I could take a punch so I was like I like the whole punch face game <laughs> <laughs> so the ground side I'm like oh that's for wussies like I don't I'm not gonna <laughs> now I just so happen to be pretty good at it um but uh <laughs> it was definitely something that took me a while to fall in love with be um be happy to like do the wrestling, do the jujitsu. Um, now it's one of my stronger weapons that I have. Um, but it, it took a while to get there. <laughs> who did, who were you training with at that time? Who kind of helped build up your wrestling game into, like you said, one of your better assets today? Yes. Um, so my husband and head coach, Johnny Connor, he's the one that started me on, uh, jujitsu. And then, um, he found me the wrestling coach, which was Mike Dehart that I worked with a lot to start building my wrestling. Um, I was out there with him for, uh, I want to say about two years. And now I work with short thing wrestling. So over in St. Paris, um, it, Mike Dehart no longer lives here and in the state he's moved. So, um, I train out at the shores now. And last big thing from your amateur career, you talked about having like a difficulty with finding opponents on the amateur scene. Is that like a common theme? Is it hard to sometimes find people, especially if you've been winning? Yeah, supposedly that's what I was being told. <laughs> I don't know. Like the, some of it, I just feel like um, maybe the matchmakers and the promotions that I were fight that I was fighting for just, weren't maybe doing their job um, because I didn't have any problems. There wasn't a shortage uh, going out of state and fighting. All the girls would fight me out of state. So I, I don't know. I just questioned maybe the, the matchmakers and what they were doing. Um, and yeah, so 
supposedly that's what I was told was no one was willing to fight me, but I've heard that story um, from a few other fighters too that I don't think is true. So I don't know how true it is. <laughs> For sure. But after your, like you said, after your last amateur fight, you turned pro. What did that process kind of look like? Were you hesitant to turn pro? Is this something like, oh, I want to go make some money? What did what did that mindset look like? Um, it was to it was really to the point where the weight cuts were I I was making some pretty hard weight cuts and we were kind of where it was like, what what are we doing? Are we just gonna keep going like being hard on our body, possibly taking more injuries, you know, like why don't we just turn pro? Um, so it was it was something just me and my coaches were all kind of on board, like it was time to go ahead and make that change. Um, so there really wasn't any hesitation. It was just kind of, I had fought everyone as an amateur and it was time to go ahead and make that switch over to the professional rankings. When you jumped up to pro, did your training change at all? Did you approach anything any differently? Um, yeah, I, the, as far as like schedule of training, I was training that way uh, multiple times a day um, for a solid two to three years before I ever turned pro. So that didn't really change. I traveled a bit more to um, a few different places to get different looks. Um, and then that's what I did for my, uh, actually my pro debut is I traveled a little bit. I had some some people around me that were, um, had a lot to say about the training that I needed to go elsewhere and things like that, um, for my training. So, um, me and my head coach, we kind of listened to the chitter chatter of everyone else. And we took that route of me traveling. And then my professional debut, I got disqualified. It wasn't, it was not a good fight for me, honestly. Um, I fought very recklessly and emotional. Um, so uh, we kind of took a lot from that fight. And then my next fight camp, we stayed home and him and I did what we do. And I finished the girl in the first round after that. You know, so it, it was definitely something that we thought we were going to have to change things um, at when I made that pro debut, just from everyone else's input. And then uh, realized there wasn't any need for it. I could do everything that I needed to do at home. And so we we started out to changing things up. And then we came back to what's always worked. So when you were making your professional debut in King of the Cage, very big regional promotion in the United States, for those of you who don't know, what was that experience like? What did you take away from your first fight as a professional athlete? Like you said, it might not have ended how you wanted to, but you still got still got to jump in the cage as a professional athlete. So what was that experience like? Um <laughs> it was it was good. There was a lot of trash talking leading up to that fight, which I don't I've never done before. It honestly wasn't even me doing the trash talking. It was it it was I would just give my phone to my coach and he would be the one like saying everything. Um, and so that making it like getting to fight for King of the Cage, 
it was good. I just wish we could have like went about it in a little bit of a different manner. They were very pushy on like, hey, you gotta you gotta sell the fight either with like talking trash or kind of like be a, as a female, you know, you need to be um, taking bikini pictures and things like that. And that's just not really, neither one of those things are my style, you know, like I'm a pretty exciting fighter and people just want to see me. You know? you know, talk a whole bunch of trash or anything like that. Um, and, and I don't have to take half naked pictures to get everyone's attention because that's just not when people watch me fight, that's what they want to see, you know? So it was, um, it was nice or I don't know, <laughs> dealing with King of the Cage was one of those things at the time, uh, they were the biggest promotion that like lower level professionals could fight for. Um, and a lot of the greats had went through King of the Cage. So we thought we were onto something doing a really good thing. Um, and you know, I, it was nice even getting the disqualification, uh, you know, King of the Cage still, as soon as I walked out of the cage, they were ready to give me basically the world to get me to be with them. So it was, it was good. But like I said, not really my style. For those of you who might not know, Sean Strickland, current UFC middleweight champion, got his start in King of the Cage. And your next fight was in King of the Cage, where you walked away with your first professional victory like you said, with a finish. Talk about that feeling. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um, I felt a little bad for, for the girl. Uh, she was six, I believe she was six foot tall, 115 pounds. Like it was uh, not a good night for her. <laughs> Just my, my strength and power. As soon as I got her to, I made very short work of her. Um I remember being in full mount, like punching her and she started kind of like screaming. So I just switched off for the arm bar, um, thinking that that would be a better route. So I didn't have to like beat her face in anymore. Um, and I ended up actually blowing her arm out. She had, she left and like an immobilizer and everything. Um, but yeah, her, her arm dislocated and she had to go be an, an immobilizer for a few months. Um, which, I mean, it's part of the part of the sport, but it's still like I don't want to have to do that to people. Um, but I will say my fight after that, I got in uh, the first round, got my arm bar. That's like usually when I hit it, I snap people's arms um, and she didn't tap. So uh, and then I obviously lost that fight to a unanimous decision, which it was a close fight. But um, I after that fight, I'm like, you know what, if I can't have the remorse of, uh, you know, whether I'm going to hurt someone in there or not. So that was kind of something that I took from both those fights of, hey, you know, if they don't tap, that's on them, you know, because I, I let go of the arm and everything because I felt it blow out and the ref was going to let her keep fighting. And she was like, she couldn't because <laughs> her arm was like dangling. So it was, it was an interesting experience. <laughs> That is one of the most badass things I've ever heard before in my life. <laughs> I was tired of punching her face in, so I just switched to the arm bar. Wow, that's so cool. But after that, like you said, another King of the Cage fight, but then you took a five-year layoff. What were you doing in those five years? I had had a baby, so um, 
we after after that fight out in California, um, like I said, dealing with King of the Cage, it wasn't really my vibe. Uh, they were wanting me to do things that I just wasn't okay with doing. And then losing that fight, when I felt that I won the fight, it was a lot to deal with. Um, just mentally, I had to process things. And so I wanted to just take some time off. Uh, I knew I wanted to have another kid, so I had had, actually, when I uh, decided to take a step back and not compete, I got another no nose surgery to try and fix my my breathing, which it didn't do anything for me, so um, after that, that's when I got pregnant, and uh, we had our son, and then I, I about two years, uh, well, I'd say probably the first year, you know, like, I'm a very big advocate, you know, trying to raise my children as naturally as possible, so breastfeeding to me was super important, so that was something that I did for two and a half years, so training while nursing is kind of difficult, <laughs> um, so I was just doing, my husband was coaching football at the time, and I was doing a lot of football practicing with the, um, a lot of the high school boys and things like that. So, uh, that's kind of what I did while I was the five-year layoff was, um, just raise my kids and, uh, spend time on the football field. And then we had our own home gym too, that we just did some like skill, skill training. What ultimately made you decide to return to MMA? Um, opening our gym back up, I was, I wanted to, but I just didn't see like how I could juggle everything and compete at the same time. So, um, having, there's a, one of our fighters, um, Quentin Shear, he kind of relit that fire for me and seeing him, he, I don't know that he would say, um, that he looks up to me, but it kind of seemed that way. And like, I wanted to be a good role model for him and give him, you know, he was working really hard and I just wanted to give him kind of a springboard and I knew I could do it pretty easily as long as I was competing. So it was more like my teammates, you know, that really got me back to like, Hey, you know, you can, you can get back in there and, and do this. So when you made your return, you re-signed with the LFA. What has it been like with them? Have and how have they kind of approached things differently than King of the Cage did? And they have been nothing but amazing. Um, super professional. That's that's the biggest difference in promotions is just the professionalism of LFA. Um, they're they've been awesome. Um, and I I really didn't think it was going to be that different. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, it's, there's not going to be that big of a difference. And there really was. The, you know, I fought Elaney on their card, um, which is obviously a female that they're wanting to big up and, you know, like they've signed her. They're really trying hard to promote her. Um, and uh, I didn't have, there wasn't any like favoritism. I didn't feel like, they were excluding me or anything like that. I know the girl that had fought Elaney um, for her first, for Elaney's first fight, uh, kind of felt like LFA, you know, was not real nice to her. Um, so I was kind of anticipating that. 
mad. I was like, oh, they're going to treat me like shit. They don't. you know when a promotion does that I know um Mike Beltron who refed my king of the cage fight uh he actually after the fight he messaged me like a week later just checking on me and I just I appreciate things like that you know and LFA did the same thing where they reached out and made sure like hey are you good you know like what can we do to help you like it it was really awesome so so when you made your return to the cage, did you, obviously it was five years. That's a big layoff. Did you experience any ring rust or anything like that? I really didn't think I did. I, I did. But in my head, I was like, I'm not because I was having a good time. Um, and I really didn't think I wasn't nervous. So I was like, there's no ring rust. It, it just wasn't my night. And then I watched the fight back. And I see, like, I had gotten in for takedowns, and I didn't execute them, um, which was very much ring rust. <laughs> you know, like, now. Hey, I had a great time. And like I said, it wasn't like ring rust, like, where I was nervous or not confident, because I was very confident going into the fight. I knew if it was I, I could have finished her on the ground. Um, but uh, I was getting in close enough to get her down and I just wasn't doing it, you know? So there was definitely some ring rust. <laughs> but you stayed active. Obviously you fought two months later on Renegade Rumble 6, um, put on right in my hometown, Finley, Ohio. So <laughs> you put on an outstanding performance, fight of the night. What was your mindset going into that camp just two months after your last fight and then going out there and executing? Um, it was get this done as quickly as possible. <laughs> um, you know, after having a five-year layoff and getting to fight Eleni Pereira, I was, I loved every second of it. And I remember coming out of the cage and looking at my husband and I said, hey, you know, we might be wheeling me to the cage until I'm 60. Like, just push me in the cage. Let me do my thing. Because I had so much fun. I loved it, you know. Um, and for me back in the day, like, fighting was never, um, it wasn't something that I was, like, really in love with. It was just something that I did for my own mental health. And I, I dealt with a lot of depression. And it helped me, you know, like, the, the pain, uh, the physical pain helped me um mentally so for me when I fought Eleni I'm not struggling with depression anymore and it was just I got to just love and have fun in there you know so when I came out I was like oh my gosh I want to do it again you know the fight camp for the renegade rumble um it wasn't a big deal at all I'm like yeah this is what I want to do uh, and then I got, <laughs> I had an injury that happened about two weeks before the fight, which made it pretty difficult. Um, you know, the, the girl that I fought, I could have finished her in the first round had I not been injured going into the fight. But, you know, like we were talking, you never go into a fight 100%. So um, I had to keep it on the feet. But I think 100%, if I would have, I mean, obviously, I took her to the ground. But had I been able to stay on the ground with her, I think. I would have finished her pretty easily. So you put on one of the best kicking displays <laughs> I've ever seen before in person. 
do you enjoy like a kickboxing set? Like if that makes sense, like some guys just like punching, other guys are very kick heavy and other guys prefer to take it to the ground. But would you say that kickboxing is one of your favorite parts of your game? Yeah, 100%. I definitely like to set stuff up with my kicks. Um, that's something that I utilize a lot. And it's why I struggle like with wanting to, I, I have a lot of people that want me to compete in boxing and I just, feel like it takes away my tools, you know, if I just have to rely on my hands and obviously I'm not a real tall fighter. Um, so I have to understand and learn how to use my range and things like that. Um, it's one of those things that if I can kick you, I can make you think about different things, you know, and it sets up for me to land my, my strikes with my hands and my takedowns and all those things. So yeah, I definitely rely heavy on my kicks. That was actually something that you brought up to me the last time we talked as you were thinking you were going to transition to boxing. Is that not on the table anymore? Um, probably not. Um, we've, there's a, like a 10% chance, I think, that I'm going to do boxing. Um, we're really going to focus heavy on, after talking with Drake, my manager, um, you know, I think our main focus is going to be the MMA side of things and really seeing how far we can get with the MMA. Well, you recently re-signed with the LFA. How did that whole conversation go down? Were they just calling you like, hey, we saw you fight. We want you back. Yeah, yeah. They reached out and was like, hey, we saw that. What do you think? Which I told them, you know, I can um and that we are looking maybe end of november beginning of december um is is what our time frame is right now of what we're looking at so they said well we'll be in touch and we're just waiting to hear what they what they offer us well we've talked about chelsea connor the fighter let's talk about chelsea connor the coach a little bit you're one of the head coaches at Fightopia MMA in Piqua, Ohio. What has that experience been like for you? Oh, it's an experience to say the least. <laughs> it's cool. It's it's super rewarding. Um, it's tough to juggle coach and competitor at the same time. Um, I feel like sometimes uh, either I have to be selfish so I can focus on myself or other times I might be like projecting uh, some of my feelings on, on my uh, athletes. So I, I'm trying to figure it out, you know, but it's a, it's a roller coaster of, you know, love and hate. <laughs> What's the environment over at Fightopia like? Um, we have a lot of fun. <laughs> we, it's a, a lot of just hardworking individuals that we all kind of have a backstory of, you know, shit happened in life, you know, and we've all kind of like found each other and we're, we're literally a family. You know, the, the biggest thing with Fightopia is it's family. Um, and you know, it, you feel it, you know, no matter what class you're taking, whether it's, you know, a women's cardio kickoff whatever class it is, you know, like when you walk into the gym, we all care about you. We want to, 
you know, if you're not there for a few days, like you're going to get a call, you know, like people wonder where you're at, you know, so the, the atmosphere is just, it's very, I mean, obviously we punch each other in the face a lot. So, you know, we, we still have that competitive side um, with, you know, everyone, but there's a lot of love there too. So. Do you think that coaching has advanced you as a fighter as well? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, it definitely has. And that's something that my coach has been yelling at me for years. You know, you really need to like focus on the coaching side because um, it does, it, it'll elevate you very quickly, you know, because if you understand what, you know, you're teaching, then you can execute it that much better. All right, Chelsea, this is my last question for you. And it's the most important because we are hot take sports. <laughs> so I want to know what is your best hot take? my best hot take uh like as far as something that you think will happen in the sporting world something big oh goodness um i would say uh in the next six months you're gonna see end up seeing me uh do something very similar to what dylan bucka just did um where with with women it's a bit different um you know, everyone's main focus is the UFC, but there's a lot of other big promotions for females that we can fight in. Um, so I'd say in the next six months, you're going to see me on a really big national level um, stage fighting. Do you have a promotion in mind? Anybody kind of catching your eye? Um, Either UFC or 1FC. Okay. Two. What's so attractive about, obviously, the UFC, but a lot of people, I feel like, don't really know about one which yes. is over in asia for those of you who don't know why why one fc um the stuff the way that they treat their females is absolutely incredible um they really take care of their athletes and that's something that is important for to me um is just being being respected and not treated like just another number or you know you're a female so you got to do certain things you know um, one FC definitely don't play those games. Like if you're a good fighter, you're going to be there and you're going to be, you know, displayed well. For sure. Everyone make sure to look out for tiny tank, Chelsea Connor. She's on her way to the top. Chelsea, thank you very much for joining me this afternoon. Is there any sponsors, anybody you'd like to shout out? Um, shout out obviously to all my teammates at Fightopia MMA. I, would like to thank Endless Think Tattooing for their sponsorship, uh, Short Chiropractic and Short Thing Wrestling. Those are, and then I, um, Millions is also one of my sponsors and Drake, my manager, he has been amazing and helping me out a whole bunch. Of course. Gotta, gotta give the shout out to Drake. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us on another segment of Come Combat Talk brought to you by Hot Take Sports. I've been your host, Clayton Scalina. Shout out to Drew Cypher Racing, and we will see you all next time.